This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second reading from 2 Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge who is to judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whenever the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, encourage, with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, have but having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As you always, as for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and carry out your ministry fully. Holy wisdom, holy word. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus the Christ. Amen. That story we just heard is, frankly, as much about the disciples as it is about God. Uh, And Luke says that Jesus told it because they had a need to be praying always and to not lose heart. Um, That's what all three of the readings actually are about today. It's about a need that we all have, uh, that we not lose heart. First reading is one of the most confusing, I think, in all of Scripture. Uh, Jacob is on the banks of the Jabbok River. He's about to meet his brother again, who he has not seen for many, many years. And the last time that he saw his brother, he had betrayed his brother. And the next day, he's going to cross the river and see his brother again. And it is a long and an anxious night. He's wrestling. He's, he's nervous. The story is so uniquely told that we don't really know whether it's a dream or whether he's wrestling with someone actually. It starts out he's wrestling with a man, and then it turns out that he's wrestling with God. And we know that when he wakes up, he actually limps because of the dream. That, of course, is also what the widow is doing in the gospel story as well. She's wrestling She's wrestling with justice, and she's wrestling with God. Jesus seems to be saying, don't lose heart. Don't give up. This whole prayer thing is complicated. You don't need to master it or understand it. You just need to keep doing it. And then there's a second reading from Timothy. Uh, Timothy is a young leader in the church. At this point, the church doesn't have bishops, pastors, deacons. All the church has is disciples. I might want to call that the golden era of the church. There weren't seminaries. There were just one disciple equipping another disciple. And Paul is equipping Timothy. 
Paul had sent a first letter, the first letter to Timothy, and presumably Timothy got it and sent a letter back, maybe with some questions, maybe with some complaints, maybe with some concerns. We don't have that letter. We can only guess what was in that letter based on Paul's second letter to Timothy. But this is my guess what was in that letter. Timothy says, I'm getting pretty discouraged. I'm losing heart. I can remember my first years in ministry, a little small town in southeast Missouri, sitting in my office, and to be honest, I was knee-deep in messiness and in pettiness of the church. This was the issue. First service, everybody gasped. Whether or not an unbaptized baby who died at childbirth was allowed to be buried in a church cemetery. Let me be clear about that. Who's allowed to scatter their ashes in our memorial garden? Anyone. Everyone. That's how God's love works. So I'm in the ministry for about a year. The honeymoon is clearly over. Buried beneath a pile of administrative tasks. I lived right next to the church and yet another rushed dinner to get to yet another meeting. I hadn't read a book in weeks. We didn't have a television set. And I hadn't figured out that preaching is something more than pithy little statements that people want to hear every week. And I remember thinking, if this is ministry, maybe this isn't for me. And I will be forever grateful. George Friedinger and Herm Lehman, Bert Kite, mentors, colleagues that I could call on the telephone and talk to. Timothy didn't have telephone. Timothy had Paul. I don't know if anybody else has felt that way. Um, maybe you're feeling that way now. I had a little something happened in a church parking lot yesterday. Uh, high school youth group, one body going off to service project, and I happened to be there. And uh, Dave Aldrich asked me, uh, how's it going, Pastor? I said, well, I don't have a sermon done. He says, why don't you just get up and rant? I said, I think that would be very dangerous, David. This whole election thing, it's depressing. CBS correspondent Bob Schieffer has been around the block more than a few times. Gracious gentleman, old school reporter. After the debates last Sunday night to say this on public television to the world, how did we ever get to this place? I hope to God, he says, we never see election like this again. I hope you will join us the night after the election, Wednesday night, we're going to gather in this place, 625. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for those who are elected. We're going to pray for this country. We're going to pray for this world. More information on page three. And frankly, it's not just about politics. It's kind of like about everything. I have been two weeks asking people, can you explain Syria and Aleppo to me? I'm an otherwise bright person. Can anybody understand why Israel can't give up, you know, a couple thousand acres to someone? Or why refugees scare people who were refugees themselves? Or can anybody fathom how thousands of Haitians are going to get enough food and water? USS Iwo Jima, that's a ship my son most recently sailed on. It's on its way to Haiti right now. And they've already reported it will be a drop in the bucket. And why there's probably nobody in this room who has seen a picture of a Nigerian child And it's estimated that 75,000 children will starve to death in Nigeria next year. And then to be honest about that, that's that's just like turning on the television. And then there's church. 
I mean, we all have a lot of wrestling in our day-to-day lives, and life's complicated, and what we want church to be is we want to be a place that's not complicated. And, and then we find out that actually it's a place where we come to wrestle with God. <laughs> no wonder, as Paul says, we get itchy ears. We all are prone to accumulate for ourselves teachers and teachings and systems that suit our own desires. Just tell me what I want you to tell me, God. <laughs> Thank God Timothy had Paul. And Paul had been around the block, that's for sure. Um, shipwrecked, beaten, whipped. He's at the end of his tenure. He's older, he's wiser. I'm thankful for some older and wiser sisters and brothers who have mentored me. And he's writing to Timothy from a prison cell. And I want to let that one sink in. You're looking for a mentor, someone that you want to follow. Maybe the person in prison isn't the one you've picked out. That's another whole version of success. And it had to play even with Paul's head. Feeling discouraged himself. He's in prison. I'm certain he takes a deep breath and he puts quill to paper and he fires off what we know from experience worked for him. And how he did not lose heart. Continue in what you have learned, Tim. Continue in what you believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you. Wonder why we give out Bibles to third graders and kindergartners. Wonder why we bring kids to life passage. Wonder why we make middle school kids come to confirmation. Wonder why we make high school kids be part of a youth group. Wonder why we do those things ourselves. Why we model those things. Because when everything else is upside down, and that will happen in their lives someday, they too can remember what they learned and where they learned it. There is more joy and more comfort and more hope in this book than any of us have yet to discover. It's literally inspired. It's filled with the Spirit of God. Now, Paul tells Timothy to remember the message, the message, the central truth that you were taught and is found in the Scripture. And I, I, I don't know where your mind goes with that, but I know where mine goes. I, I, I love picking out a verse to have kids highlight because there are some verses I don't want them to open up and find first. Good old Paul had a misogynist bent. That's a word that a certain age level can't pick up on, but you'll get it. At the very least, he couldn't recognize and overcome oppressive sexism of his future. In other letters, he wouldn't permit women to speak in public worship. My sisters were not allowed to be acolytes. Wouldn't permit women to wear jewelry in public. They were not allowed to. I was, but they were not allowed to. Required them to be subject to their husbands like property. Way too many people attribute that kind of junk to God rather than to Paul. And you can't just read the Bible as if everything in it is right. We talked briefly about it last week. It's a violent book. Death by stoning for touching Mount Sinai. Death by stoning for not being a virgin on your wedding night. Death by stoning for breaking the Sabbath. Think what that would do to youth soccer leagues. (laughs) Youth 
disobeying your parents. Stone them. Listen to this analogy. Brian McLaren says that the Bible is as suspicious to some as an abandoned suitcase at an airport. People suspect that it's got loaded verses inside that click like time bombs. And to a lot of us, the Bible seems complicit in the violence of the world. One hardly expects to open it and find anything other than swords, much less plowshares. So it, it can't just be Paul's advice to Timothy, read your Bible or memorize your Bible. The Bible requires nuance. It requires interpretation and reflection. It requires even doctrine, if you will. Those aren't good words in the era we live in. Dogma and doctrine requires some lens by which we can view things and understand them. That's why we have sermons to begin with. It's why we have Bible studies rather than just reading it ourselves in our hotel room. That's the point of that great passage from 1 Corinthians that we read together. That, that you can have all the language and you can have all the Bible verses. You can have all angels and all knowledge and you can sacrifice your life and you can be the world's greatest prayer. But if you don't have love, then that book is a dangerous book. The love of God incarnated in Christ Jesus who took all of the violence and all of the ignorance of the world and who died and who still rose from the dead. It's through that lens that we read all of Scripture. And that's the message that Paul reminds Timothy about. That Paul tells Timothy that message will keep you from losing heart. Let me make sure I give some good news today rather than just rant. Especially if right now you're wrestling with God and especially if you have been praying your heart out and not finding justice. And especially if right now you might be discouraged or if even your ears have become itchy. It's in all three of our readings today. God does not quit. God does not quit. God's always there, always listening, always present. God is love, and love never fails. Wow. God loves Jacob enough to keep wrestling with him. He doesn't wash his hands and just walk away from him. On the most anxious night of his life on the Jabbok River, God is right there and God refuses to let go of him. And listen to Jesus. Because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice. If you have ever wondered this question, do my prayers bother God? Let me tell you, yeah, they might. But God doesn't quit listening. God loves you. You're God's beloved child. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, And will not God grant justice to those he loves? And then there's Paul. <laughs> Paul writing to Timothy practical advice on how to keep being the church. He doesn't pretend that things aren't a mess. He doesn't throw a Bible verse at them or a little slogan. Nor does he throw the Bible away. Quite the opposite. He just reminds them that it's, it's not about the Bible. It's about the God whose gracious acts of love are recalled in the Bible. It's about Jesus. And it's about a love of God that will not let any of us go.
I wish, um, I wish I would have had Eugene Peterson's The Message uh, way back in 1979. But since he didn't write it until 2004, uh, I was left with good news for modern man. It wasn't the same. His interpretation of this one passage would have helped me so much. And I I pray it will you now today as well. So let me close with it. Paul says to Timothy, I cannot impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. And he's about to break open his rule in the world. So, proclaim the message. Do it with intensity. Keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, urge. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple and to the point. You're going to find that there will be times when people have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food, itchy opinions that tickle fancies. They're going to turn their back on the church and chase mirages. But just keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. And keep the message alive. Thank you to all of you who keep that message alive in this community of faith. May God bless you.